We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another edition of the Dice Trade Cast, the final, the final off-season edition. In fact, by the time you're listening to this, there's probably like a 50-50 chance that you are no longer in the off-season, that you are in the in-season. Either way, happy season to you. And I am joined by the one, the only, Dan Seno. Well, good evening, Nathan. It uh, it's officially Bold Predictions Week. We we are here. We are almost. Uh, almost NFL time. Almost NFL time, and that means we got to get the bold predictions. I said before before we started recording. By, by the way, I listened to last week's episode. We said the sentence before we started recording eighty seven times last week. So let, let's try and make that the last time I say before we started recording on this episode. Um, <laughs> all right. So, so we have. The fact that this is the bold predictions episode, and I think in previous years, in the last couple of years, originally the first time we did this, this this episode, we had some hot takes, some bold takes. We were burning up with steam, and then we've kind of like softened in our old age, Dan. But now this year, we're coming back. We're getting spicy. I mean, I'm getting spicy. Some of yours are as white as white bread, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I picked but, any white people. Oh, you meant the? I I got it. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the bold predictions. We'll be picking up random different things, some NFL-wise, some fantasy-wise, some a little bit mix of both. And so, oh, by the way, I didn't say this is the Rotoviz Radio Network uh, brought to you by Blue Wire. And our first pick of the evening is going to be the NFL MVP. So this is not a fantasy pick, Dan Sanio. This is a NFL awards pick. And I'm going to start off this evening with my bold prediction that Justin Herbert is the NFL MVP. No, not Tom Brady, not Patrick Mahomes, not Derrick Henry. It is Justin Herbert, the sophomore from the Los Angeles Chargers. 
I think that sometimes because he was so good as a rookie that we forget how good the weapons are in Los Angeles. Granted, it's basically Keenan Allen, but we have Keenan Allen and we have Mike Williams and, you know, they're, they're building out other pieces as well. So this Chargers team has some weapons and Eckler is a good receiving weapon out of the backfield. And the, most of the time there has to be like a story you tell yourself around the MVP winner. Cause that's how the MVP is really awarded. And <clears throat> there is, there's a story to be told that if the if the Chargers win the division, that Herbert throws 35 touchdowns and 10 picks, throws for 4,000 yards, wherever it might be, and then he becomes the NFL MVP. So you're you're saying his path to MVP is just replicating what he did as a rookie, and and beating the Chiefs. I mean that that's fair. I, I think production wise, it will require more than what he did numbers wise last year. And obviously his numbers were great. He threw for over 4,000. He had 30 touchdowns and he only threw 10 interceptions. I think it's going to take 40 and, and uh, probably 10 to 12 wins, honestly. And I know wins are, are, you know, kind of. Okay. Wins aren't a quarterback stat, but they are an MVP stat. Like, absolutely. You know, you can throw for 8,000 yards and if you win four games, it doesn't matter. Like the argument against anybody that argued against Aaron Rodgers being the MVP. I mean, he, he was the best player on the team by a mile. That team is probably two and 14 last year without Aaron Rodgers. So um, they definitely take that into account. So I can definitely see the argument for Justin Herbert. I think there's a really good chance that he is the best player on that team. And he does, you know, kind of make everyone better. Uh, obviously having Austin Eckler there as well gives them a formidable running game to allow him a little bit of freedom to be able to throw, even though that line is still, you know, mediocre at best, I would say. We'll see if Mike Williams can stay healthy. Uh, we'll see what what the tight end position brings, because we know that's kind of always been a, a big part, uh, especially over the last few years. But then you go all the way back to even like Antonio Gates. And that's kind of always been uh, uh, the bread and butter of the Chargers. So, yes, obviously you still have Keenan Allen. You hope Mike Williams stays healthy. You do have Austin Eckler. But I, I think Justin Herbert here is is going to pretty much make anyone better who's around him. And it, it's honestly, it's a great pick. Yeah. And the one, like, negative you could say for the pick is that he does have to beat the Chiefs. He does have to beat Mahomes. If he doesn't beat Mahomes, there's no way he could beat MVP. I, unfortunately, I think we might be kind of in that realm where it's the MVP, just like the conference, will run through Mahomes, even though uh, unless it's something just completely outrageous, like an Aaron Rodgers type season, even what Tom Brady did, you know, those those types of, of seasons are our MVP worthy. You just, the winning has to go with the numbers and you have to be clearly head and shoulders better than everybody that you're on the field with. So that's my MVP pick. Who do you have taking them the hardware? So not only am I staying in the quarterback genre, I'm shocking gonna, for the MVP. Award. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for a guy that has all of the ability of a Justin Herbert but has all of the help you could possibly want. 
And it's going to be real surprising as to who I'm taking for MVP. And that's going to be Dak Prescott. You look at the offense, you look at the weapons. It's second to none in the NFL. You absolutely stack. CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. Uh, there's no better trio in the league. You know, Tampa Bay is probably not far behind with Evans, Godwin, and AB. Uh, if AB was if four years ago, AB, that trio would be just, I mean, you have three of the best ever. Um, but you you add in Ezekiel Elliott. That's an element that the Bucks do not have when you're talking about personnel. Definitely not uh, a, a spot that the Chiefs have. Um, you know, he's probably on par with what Justin Herbert has in the backfield. But then you even bring in a couple of the tight ends that have looked good, have performed well, have produced well, and not really gotten kind of the show there. I, I think there's a really clean and easy line for Dak Prescott, assuming health, to to get that award. The, the Cowboys overall should be far better than they were last year. And obviously having Dak healthy, if you look at what he did in the first four games last year, and that was with the, and that's the first four games of CeeDee Lamb's career where he hadn't even sprouted yet. He was untouchable. He was averaging like 470 or 450 or something like that a game. Um, you know, the touchdown numbers didn't start off super hot, but I know he had, a, he had either two four touchdown games or definitely one four touchdown game. Um, it's that offense is too good for him not to be able to thrive. So even if he's a little bit off, I think there's so much talent that you won't even notice that he's a little bit off. Yeah. With Dak, there's a slight concern with the injury, but in terms of an MVP campaign, my concern would more so be about the defense that is that defense going to be good enough to get the Cowboys, the amount of wins they need in order to put Dak in the MVP discussion. And I have doubts about that. But the, the, the you know, uh, counter to that would then be that the NFC East is still terrible. Like, basically, the favor- I'm pretty sure that if it's not Dallas, then Washington's the favorites in the division. And they have Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. So, you know, it's a very winnable division. Um, and that – so I definitely – you know, I love Dak. I'll take Dak and Gallup and Lamb and Cooper and Zeke. Any of them on my rosters, I'm happy to do it. Redraft Dynasty, whatever it might be. I just and and I did talk about with Herbert. You have to have the story. There's the story of returning from the injury. That's that's where Dak gets his story for the MVP. So I think that the only thing stopping Dak from an MVP season is the defense. And that's very possible. And just like with Herbert having to come out of the AFC and beating Mahomes, Dak will have to probably come out of the NFC and go through Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So both both of our picks have. Really, well, yes, I mean they have they have walls in front of but them. But the MVP doesn't account for the playoffs, though, so it, it's all about the regular season. No, I know, and and you know we'll get to see week one, you know Dak versus Brady, um, and Dak that should be fairly Zach telling. Dak yeah. without Zach Martin. <laughs> but this line has been kind of uh, bits and pieces over the last couple of years, even though they've still maintained as one of the best. Um, it certainly personnel wise hasn't been very consistent. They've been all over the place. So, uh, they've got most of that line back, obviously not having Zach Martin is huge, but I, I feel like the pieces around Zach Martin and around Dak Prescott, I, I just feel like it's, it's not going to be as noticeable as it would have been had the left tackle gone on it again, or, you know, or one of the main pieces on offense, if Zeke was out or if CD lamb was out or Cooper was out. I feel like that would be more noticeable. 
Let's move on to fantasy offensive rookie of the year. I will start us off with a bit of a sleeper pick, and that is wide receiver Rondale Moore of the Arizona Cardinals. This is a team that could become pass-heavy, whether it be for the fact that throwing the ball with Kyler Murray or, you know, basically having the ball in Kyler Murray's hands is better than having the ball in Chase Edmonds and James Conner's hands. And the more that is occurring, the more the chance there is that we're getting the, the ball into Rondale Moore's hands and maybe getting him involved in, in some jet sweeps and things like that. And so, no, I don't think Rondell Moore is going to score the most fantasy points among all rookies. That answer is, is Najee Harris or any quarterback, you know, insert in terms of points. But in terms of bang for your buck and guy who is going to, you know, pay dividends for the guy, people who drafted him in, in late, late in redraft and, you know, later in dynasty, I think Rondell Moore is a guy who has legitimate wide receiver two upside. There some things need to happen for that to happen, a.k.a. the Cardinals need to have like a Chiefs-like ascent on offense. But there is a path to wide receiver two in 2021 for Rondell Moore, and that would be paying huge dividends. Yeah, and I don't think it's really a reach for Rondell to become a, a major role on that offense pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, obviously, he, he's the he's the, se- he's the second best pass catcher, and it's not close. Like, oh yeah, there's a lot quite of easily. there's a lot of pass catchers that you know might take up space in that offense. Rondell Moore is the second best talent, second most talented, and the second best one that's going to be you know getting the ball in his hands. Well, and the and the plus there is you're still going to have a, a double covered DeAndre Hopkins, so someone's going to be open on offense pretty much at all times, and I would imagine it's going to be Rondell Moore, especially if he's able to work underneath or intermediate roles. Uh, I think he's he's got a really chance, a really big chance to just absolutely smash this year. I do hope that they keep him involved. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, Najee Harris would have been probably the easy pick here. Uh, I, I just think for the value, you're not really getting what you'd get with Rondale Moore. Or honestly, even Elijah Moore could have been a, a pretty good pick if you were going to go with wide receiver. Um, not not a super high cost to to get and there's a lot of upside, you know, if anything were to happen to Nook, Nuke, whatever, uh, Rondell Moore instantly becomes just a, a start every single week. Obviously they do still have Christian Kirk, uh, the skeleton of AJ green, but I think, I think this off, this offense as a, as a whole is really built to be able to just throw the ball. And like you said, the ball in Kyler's hand rather than handing it off to Connor Edmonds is way more valuable to, every asset, including the running backs, to be honest, because that means they're going to be catching passes and a a caught pass is worth significantly more than a a rush attempt. So uh, I I just think they need to run the offense through Kyler rather than uh, through the running game. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying that Kyler is any sort of at risk from an NFL perspective, but we do kind of have to start seeing something like we've seen a lot from the running game. We got to see some pass consistency. And if that's going to happen, it's going to go through DeAndre Hopkins and Rondell Moore. Yeah, very true. Um, so my, my fantasy offensive rookie of the year uh, in dynasty cost to acquire is pretty high redraft, very low. I've gone back and forth on, on how I feel about Justin Fields in 2021, several times. And my final take here is that the Chicago Bears and Andy Dalton get beat so horrendously bad in L.A. week one that they have no choice. The fan base gives them no choice but to go to Justin Fields early 
and often. I think Justin Fields could be a league winner. They have enough talent, not the best of talent, but enough with Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, David Montgomery. And Justin Fields is one of those guys that I can just see transcendent offense. I feel like he can make everyone better, whether it's keeping the defense on their toes because of his ability to run the football or his significant ability to throw the football. He still gets knocked for his, his, his passing game, which I don't really understand. Um, we saw it time and time again at Ohio State. We saw it in the preseason. The guy can make plays. That is what they brought him in to do. And I feel like it's going to, to happen earlier rather than later. I don't see Andy Dalton as any more than a let's let Justin Fields see one game in full speed and get him in there. Yes, but my one argument to this would be that Matt Nagy exists. And if I'm going to pick a quarterback who's not starting week one, that's a rookie that's going to be the fantasy offensive rookie of the year. I would go the one that has Kyle Shanahan as a coach rather than Matt Nagy. Um, I believe in Fields more as a talent, but I'm just doubtful that Matt Nagy is ever going to make the quote-unquote right decision. Like The first right decision he's made in his career is when he traded up for Fields, and I'm sure he didn't do that. Uh, Ryan Pace did, and he's an idiot too. So, <laughs> well, so a- I, love, I, I love Fields, and uh, I will pick him for the highest-scoring sophomore in 2022, <laughs> but I have, I have my doubts for his rookie season. So aside from them getting absolutely throttled week one, this is – pretty much the only chance for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy to keep their jobs. J- Justin Fields has to be the real deal or it's it for both of them. I know that Pace probably is the guy who did make that pick, but that doesn't mean that Matt Nagy didn't have a, a say in it whatsoever. Uh, you'd like to think that the coaches are at least getting some of their personnel. So uh, I just, I see that these guys, if, if they get beat, if they get beat bad enough, I just think they make the move to try to prove that they belong and, and they they can do what they need to do to have these this job. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, let's move on to our next pick, which is the Fantasy Comeback Player of the Year. This is not the NFL Comeback Player of the Year. This is the Fantasy Comeback Player of the Year. And I'm going to start us off in Cleveland with the man, the myth, the legend, Odell Beckham Jr. I feel like we've been calling for Odell Beckham Jr. to be the Comeback Player of the Year every every year since he got into Cleveland. But this year of all the years, I think is his best shot at leading the team in targets. Um, I I think that the Jarvis Landry thing is going to grow old at some point. Um, And with Odell, I I just see him as a wide receiver one in Cleveland. They're going to have, you know, hopefully better weather luck for the passing game in 2021. We're going to see the the Baker we saw in the second half of last year, which which was without Odell. You add Odell into that passing game. I'm not one of those oh, subtracting Odell was a plus for, for Baker. No, it just happened that way because of weather and and how the offense was evolving. And, and honestly, Baker, like, sometimes it takes quarterbacks to get it, and Baker definitely, quote-unquote, got it later in the season. Absolutely. We definitely saw a different Baker late in the season. And I, I don't think Jarvis Landry is as much of a speed bump for Odell Beckham as you do. I think both of these guys can very easily have 140 targets. Um and both do very well with them. Obviously, we'd love to see Odell get back to getting like 160 targets or whatever. But to me, this this offense just needs to be consistent through these two. Obviously, you still have Donovan Peoples-Jones as well, kind of making his way, making his rise. And you have an incredible backfield. So this offense really should be very, very balanced. We just need to see them actually get the ball to these guys and for Odell, we just need to see consistency through him. He, if he's not going a hundred percent, it's like, he's just not out there. And, you know, we we kind of saw that a little bit with Randy Moss at times. And I feel fair in making that comparison because the greatness of Odell that we were able to see when he is playing at a hundred percent, he's untouchable. And when he's, when he just doesn't feel like it, he, he just takes a play off. He doesn't pull himself out of the game. He's still out there, but he, he doesn't go. He doesn't block. He doesn't do any of that. And I feel like it, it's due for a little a little uptick in tenacity for Odell. Um, I think he's ready to win. I think that team is ready to win. And 
uh, it's going to take the targets, but I think it's also going to take a lot of team play through Odell to get there. So I, I really like the comeback player of the year bit for OBJ. Um, obviously there's, like I said, there's other weapons, but he's, he's got a really clean path to a lot of targets and, and we know he's talented. We, that, that's undeniable. We just need to see him do things with his targets. And your pick for fantasy comeback player of the year is? Well, my pick was going to be Odell Beckham if you didn't take him, but because you did, <laughs> I'm going to go with the old tried and true Joe Mixon. 2018-2019 uh, was a decent stretch for Joe Mixon. And 2020 just, you know, not not the best in his six total games played. But um, we've we've hopefully got a fully functional and healthy Joe Burrow. The rest of the offense now is, to be quite honest, incredible and up there with the best personnel groups in the league, like we talked about earlier with um, with the Cowboys, with the Bucks. Now you come to Cincinnati, you've got T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase. Joe Mixon's in that group. You have second-year Joe Burrow, who we hope is is all there, all correct, ready to go. And we've long talked about Joe Mixon's talent not lining up with what shows up on the stat sheets. And I, I think this is now kind of the time where it starts to happen. The line got marginally better. The offense has gotten significantly better since he, he's made his way to Cincinnati. And uh, even, you know, his, his couple of, they were fine years. They weren't even great years in 2018 and 2019. He did enough. He got the targets. He, he had plenty of carries. You know, we're going to be looking into that 250 to 280 range as far as carries. I'd like to see him getting targets upwards of 60 targets. But because of the the talent in that offense now, that may be a little harder to come by. I just really think that after an injured season, he's due back for a big one. He's he's 25, and the offense is as good as it's going to get. It's his time to shine. Yeah, I I think that my hesitancy for Joe Mixon would solely be my hesitancy for for Burrow, but. In a weird way, like if, if there wasn't the injury, the Bengals are, you know, the possible 2020 Dallas Cowboys, who we thought Dallas could be. And so, you know, Zeke was productive during the DAC days. And so if Burrow can be that good, obviously we're not going to expect him to be that, that good. But if the offense is going to be productive, it's going to run through Mixon and he's going to be getting plenty of red zone looks as well. So, yeah, I think Mixon is a good pick for fantasy comeback player of the year. Now it's time to move to bust of the year. Bust of the year. For my bust of the year, I'm going out there. Here comes the hot take. I've got the flamethrower pointed at my camera right now, Dan. I'm going <laughs> to the flamethrower take for the fantasy bust of the year. Derek Henry. Derek Henry is my bust of the year. Why, Nathan, why is Derek Henry the bust of the year? Now, obviously, if Derek Henry is healthy. He's going to be probably an RB1. He's probably going to be fantasy productive. And I'm not predicting injury, but I am predicting a massive decrease in volume due to the Julio Jones acquisition, due to uh, A.J. Brown continuing to be amazing, and due to, you know, the other ancillary weapon that Anthony Ferkser 
and Josh Reynolds. There are lots of guys to, to take targets away from possible rushing attempts for Derrick Henry. So I don't think that the ceiling is there that we've seen in, in past years. So I think that realistically, like people are going to be disappointed with their Derrick Henry shares uh, of Derrick Henry manager be upset with what they have with Derrick Henry uh, in 2021. Yes, he can run for 14 touchdowns and prove me wrong, but I think that's going to take obscene touchdown production to make up for the lost volume to the passing game. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's you, you don't go get Julio Jones to run more. That's that's just not how it works. You go get Julio Jones to pass more, believe it or not. I don't know if you know how that works. And Derrick Henry never really was a facet in the passing game. So you have to assume that they're going to convert some of these rushing plays into passing plays. They, they need that explosiveness on offense. Obviously, they have it with A.J. Brown. They have it with Derrick Henry. But you can cover two guys. It's really hard to cover three elite players. So uh, I, I just it, it's this one makes actually a lot of sense to me. I don't really think it's it's far out there as far as uh, calling busts go. I know his, his price has decreased a bit. Uh, obviously, in redraft, he's still pretty high up there because of the floor that he provides. I just don't think the ceiling is anywhere near as high as it was. I don't think the floor is much is much lower, if really any. I just I think it's going to his role even late game may diminish a little bit if they're ahead. You're not going to want to run your workhorse into the ground during the regular season. I think Tennessee is pretty much a lock for the playoffs. So why are you going to spend 15 to 12 to 15 carries in the second half or even like the third late third early fourth quarter on your workhorse that you need for the playoffs that you need down the stretch to to close games out. I just I think the volume takes a hit. Um, they start to just put a little bit of a, a limit on his work share just to keep him fresh. All right. And who's your pick? Also not very far out there. It's probably going to piss a lot of people off because they've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for him to absolutely explode. But I don't think it's ever going to happen, most likely because. It just is continues to be one of the worst offenses in the NFL and bad offenses don't produce good running backs. Saquon Barkley, uh, whether it's an injury or not, he's not worth the second overall pick, the third overall pick, the fourth overall pick, whatever it is. He's fine. Don't get me wrong. Love the athletic ability. The offense is atrocious and he really has underperformed. Um, and that's, that's probably saying a lot considering the numbers that he is, he's put up, but the expectation Verse production has been nowhere near as a rookie. He went for 1300 uh, on the ground and 11 touchdowns. To be honest, that's ceiling. That is absolute ceiling. In my opinion, uh, the, the receiving game. Now that was the difference maker. He had 120 targets. You don't go get Kenny Galladay. If you're going to give Saquon Barkley 120 targets, you still have set, um, Sterling Shepard. You still have the ghost of, of Darius Slayton. You spend a high pick on Kadarius Tony. Saquon Barkley isn't getting 120 targets. If he does, it's because the rest of the offense got injured and he's the only lifeline remaining. And that's not good because, hey, Daniel Jones still sucks, believe it or not. Yeah, there's two factors here that make me think that this is a nail on the head uh, type bust. One, Daniel Jones. Uh, and 
with Daniel Jones, he has to be at least some sort of competent in order for Barkley to be, be productive, at least at the level of his current draft capital of like a late first and redraft and, you know, still high first in, in dynasty. And the other main thing is that we see it year in and year out. How, how often do we see these late August, early September? And obviously he's still recovering from injury, but basically guys who didn't play much of training camp, whether it's from a previous year's injury or an offseason injury, Year in and year out, these guys always, always, always disappoint because why? They didn't get the reps in the preseason or getting, getting the reps in training camp, but also the, these injuries linger and linger. Like it's not like, oh, like you had your one year for an ACL, it's magically healed. Like that doesn't just go away. And I'm not a medical professional, but actually I am a medical professional, but I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a injury medical professional. <laughs> I'm not an injury medical professional. Um but we always talk about when you're recovering from these injuries that you you overcompensate and you can end up getting other injuries. Absolutely. We've seen it. We've seen it a bunch. I just uh, the the one, two, three, four, five pick for Saquon Barkley. Just it, it doesn't have the value to me. I, I get it. I, I understand it, but it's not going to be there, unfortunately. All right, so let's move on to our next pick, which is the fantasy MVP. Fantasy MVP, and mine is going to kind of prelude our next pick of the Super Bowl um, to give a little hint there. My fantasy MVP is Will Fuller. Uh, The Miami Dolphins had like one and a half weaknesses last year. Their defense was very good, and most of their offense was good. Their receiving core was eh. You know, Devontae Parker was okay. And then the rest of it was really non-existent. What they do to support that, they added Jalen Waddle with the sixth pick, and they added Will Fuller on a one-year deal for, through free agency. So the fantasy MVP is the guy who's going to come back in week two, be the you know uh, deep threat for the Dolphins, and be the wide receiver one for the Dolphins. That's Will Fuller. He is going to ignite this offense into a level we didn't expect to, to come. I'm gonna, I see Will Fuller getting 13 to 1400 yards, getting you know 10 touchdowns. He is the fantasy MVP. You're getting him. 10th plus round redraft. You're getting him in like the seventh or eighth round of dynasty. He is going to win you fantasy games this year. Yeah, It's kind of crazy to think about how in, you know, relatively speaking, he's free for points. He's not <laughs> expensive to acquire. If you think about the potential ceiling there, like you said, the, the cost is nowhere near the ceiling. And normally those two things correlate a little bit for Will Fuller. It doesn't. And I get, the negativity with the injury history and all of that. And, you know, to, uh, we, we don't really know what that's going to look like, but what we do know is when Wolf Fuller's on the field, he's one of the best wide receivers on the field, if not the best wide receiver on the field, uh, unless he's on the field with one of the true elite. So uh, I think given, you know, we have to assume he's healthy, right? I, I think if Tua makes any strides whatsoever, Will Fuller has a chance to be a, a top 10 wide receiver without, without question. He's going to have the volume and it, hopefully it's going to be quality type targets from Tua. We, we all think he's going to make that step, even though we keep hearing these links to Deshaun Watson and in, in trade talks, obviously that's a lot of smoke, but uh, I, I could see Will Fuller on this path very easily. Um, and honestly, my pick is someone that's kind of going in the similar rounds, maybe a little bit higher, but I went with Damian Harris and I went with Damian Harris for a a couple of big reasons. I I think new England's going to be 
pretty good, uh, actually, uh, considering that their personnel isn't great. I think they built this team the way Belichick and McDaniels like to have it. They removed Cam Newton, the vulture of all vultures. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Nathan, but Damian Harris and Cam Newton actually had the same number of rushing attempts last year. That's hideous, considering that Cam Newton can barely stand up anymore. Um, they got rid of his, in my opinion, biggest competition for, for looks in Sony Michelle. Obviously, you still have James White, J.J. Taylor, but I think it's such an easy path for a workhorse back in Damian Harris and quality looks. You bring in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. This team is built to run. You don't have anything at wide receiver. So he should be catching passes, and he should have all sorts of volume on the ground. I think Mac Jones is a big upgrade from Cam Newton, and even more so in the run game because Mac Jones isn't going to be taking his rushing attempts. The only guys taking his attempts are going to be J.J. Taylor and James White. And and maybe is Ramondre Stevenson even healthy? Um, it, it, should, it should be Damian first, Damian second, Damian all the time, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you did sneak in the, the Stevenson there. I think that once he's healthy, he is going to steal a bit of work from, uh, from Damian Harris. But I think that with Mac Jones... He, if Mac Jones is successful, Damian Harris is also going to be successful. And I, I like Jones as well. So I, I think that he's a solid pick for uh, the fantasy MVP at his current value. All right, let's move on to our next pick, which will be our Super Bowl pick. Our Super Bowl pick. And I said I gave a little wink-wink shortly beforehand, and it was that – Will Fuller was involved with my Super Bowl pick. I said the Dolphins had one and a half weaknesses. Half of it was the receivers. The one was quarterback. To his play as a rookie was not good. It left much to be, it left much to be desired. I don't think we're going to see that in 2021 with the weapons he has and with his development. You have added weapons. You have added development. That equals huge year two leap. Yeah, no, I mean, the Dolphins have been on the up and up for a while now. And, and last year, we we got to kind of they, they showed their teeth a little bit that that defense is what you want in a title contender type defense. And the offense is making strides. We we need to see a, a pretty massive leap from Tua, in my opinion, to make this happen. But I think the defense can carry them like it's carried quarterbacks in the past. Uh, cough, cough, Eli Manning, cough, cough. Um, it, it's, it's very much possible that Miami finds a way to do this, but it's going to require Tua being what we thought he could be. And, and that's going to be a high end quarterback rather than just a mediocre one. Yeah. It's, de there's definitely things that have to go right. Um, by the way, I don't know if I said it out loud, the dolphins are my Super Bowl winning pick and my pick is for them to beat the Los Angeles Rams. I, I think that we're going to see how good the Rams could have been if Goff wasn't awful. And so Stafford's going to be just fine and take them to a Super Bowl. So Miami Dolphins over Los Angeles Rams to uh, takes the next step. And Nathan, I very much agree that the Los Angeles Rams will be in said Super Bowl. I think Matthew Stafford makes a case for MVP in 2021. And I do think we see how good the Rams are with Matthew Stafford and all wish we would have had those the last four years. 
this is going to be a completely different team. You still have the defense of all defenses in LA. And now you bring a coherent quarterback who we saw win in Detroit with absolute trash aside from Calvin Johnson at all times. Uh, uh, this is a massive upgrade. I know people are like, well, Jared Goff was fine. They, you know, it's not going to be that much different. Matt going from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford is like going from the, the skeleton of uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick back to Dan Marino or something like that. Uh, this, this is a massive upgrade. Jared Goff is not a coherent quarterback. He's got a massive arm and that's it. He's got nothing between his ears. Matthew Stafford has everything between his ears. He's got all the grit you could ask for. And I see the Rams winning the Super Bowl over a real hot pick out of the AFC. No one's going to see this one coming. The Kansas City Chiefs. The, the bold prediction show, ladies and gentlemen. Bold predictions. Dan has the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. It's hard to get too bold when you have clear winners in, in areas. I just, the Rams are going to be that much better. And we'll wrap up bowl predictions with, uh, we always like to do our projection for the number one overall pick. And I just ragged on Dan for not having a bold pick. Here comes my not bold pick at all. The Houston Texans are one of the worst football teams ever assembled. They will not win a single football game. Maybe that's a bold prediction. Not really. They will have the first pick of the NFL draft. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be a very Rams versus Chiefs Super Bowl call <laughs> as, a, as a number one overall pick for, via Houston. So I'm going to save it and go with a fairly warm, probably controversial. If you're from New York, you might want to close your ears at this point. Unless you cheer for the Giants, you'll be very happy because they aren't going to be good either. But the New York football Jets are still atrocious. You have a rookie quarterback that I really don't believe in. I think his ceiling is like uh, a trailer park version of Baker Mayfield. Um, the defense. Okay. So the big reason I went jets here, the defense last year had a, or I'm sorry, the team as a total, but we're blaming the defense point differential of negative 214 points. That's unfathomable. And obviously you bring in a defensive specialist uh, as your new head coach and you remove the issue of Adam Gase. However, the personnel there is still atrocious. You don't have a running game. You've got a couple of okay wide receivers. I think Elijah Moore ends up actually being really nice. And I've been touting Corey Davis all off season. It's going to come down to Zach Wilson being, being a quarterback, whether that's, you know, uh, backup quarterback or an actual starter level quarterback, which I don't think he's going to be right away. I think there's a lot of growing that needs to happen for Zach Wilson to be, to be a winner in the NFL, but the defense remains the worst, if not bottom three in all of the NFL. So, uh, you know, if they're not first, they're going to be picking top three and, and I know you don't want to say Nathan, but we talked before the show and you said that if the Jets finished <laughs> bad enough to be pick number one overall and Zach Wilson was bad enough for them to pick number one overall, they would take another quarterback. Yeah, we would definitely see uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. He, he got hurt. I don't know if that's a long-term injury or not, but he seems like the, the real deal at the edge position. Uh, but, you know, you'll, you'll catch that on our March episode where we're breaking down uh, edge defenders, right? Yeah, big edge edge defender guy. 
<laughs> Alrighty, that should wrap us up for this evening. Any last words, Dan? That's it. Enjoy, uh, enjoy those two winless seasons we just talked about. Alrighty, that'll wrap us up for this week. Have fun on Thursday. Kickoff, Super Bowl champions, San Bay Buccaneers. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamins. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com prenatal.